Today on Abounding Grace, finishing the work that God gives us to do. Jesus was able to say, I finished the work. And I want to be able to say at the end of my life, I finished the work that you gave me, Lord. I didn't, I didn't quit. I didn't quit. Now, I have to say in the spirit, I don't want to quit. In the flesh, sometimes I do. I've actually used that phrase. It wasn't too long ago I just told Marie, I'm done. It's over. I'm, I'm just done. It's just enough. It's too much. All the stuff that was laid on me in that season, I was just like, I'm just done. That was my flesh. <laughs> my flesh, I was done, man. I was done. But in the Lord, he helps me to finish my race. <laughs> he helps me to get up for another day. This is amazing grace. Welcome to another Abounding Grace with Pastor Ed Taylor. All this week, Pastor Ed will concentrate on the prayer of Jesus in John chapter 17. Prayer should be much more than just a repetition of certain words before a meal, and it should be more than a last resort in times of trouble. So let's join Pastor Ed as he focuses on the prayer Jesus prayed the night before his arrest and crucifixion. Love is the greatest motivator of ministry on the planet Earth. People will do amazing, crazy things because of love. Serving their hearts out unto the Lord. And love is the motivator. Jesus was able to say he finished the work. He finished the work that the Lord gave. See, if you try to please man, you are going to be one frustrated person. You simply cannot please everybody. It just isn't going to happen. Here's what the Bible says, Proverbs chapter 29, verse 25. Fearing people is a dangerous trap. The New King James says the fear of man is a snare. Now, don't think of fear there as, oh, I'm so scared of you. That's not the word. The definition of that word is more along the way of what we would say today. If you're a people pleaser, that's a trap. If you're, if you're just always worried about what people think about you and how it's a trap. But you know what the Bible says? The Bible says that if your ways please the Lord, he can make even your enemies be at peace with you. And it's so much easier just to please the Lord. He is satisfied with your desire to please. He loves you. And it's impossible to please man. You will never, ever in the entirety of your life make everyone happy. But you can please the Lord. And let him sort out the situations with other people. Now, God does sometimes use a pastor's word or a Bible study or a leader. You know, one of the things that we see in our responsibility is to be like, you know, divine talent scouts and to see giftings in people and say, have you considered doing this? And why don't you pray about doing this? And you're like, oh, you know what? I have been praying about doing that. And, and we move you off in that direction. And it doesn't even have to be within the context of this church because this church is all around town. In just a few moments when we, when we leave, the church was gathered, but in a few moments, the church is going to scatter. And God wants to equip you to be used in a variety of different ways all throughout our community so that he might be glorified. You and I might die to ourselves and he might be glorified. 
Now, along those lines, one more thing. Notice, in verse 3, he describes eternal life. So we might have a misconception sometimes on serving, and perhaps you might have a misconception on eternal life. He defines eternal life. He defines salvation. He defines being born again. It's very simple, that you might know the Father and Jesus Christ whom he sent. Those are words of relationship. And we might refer to it that way. That God wants you to have a relationship with him, not religion. Not a religious system. God calls you to himself. And what will we do here on occasion? What will we do? Almost every service we'll do this. We'll give an invitation. At the end of a message, the gospel will be shared. I'll talk to you about your sin. and The separation of your life from a holy God. That God is holy and you are not. Why? Because we've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And because of that separation, God sent his only son, Jesus Christ, to come and die for you and me. He shed his blood, the forgiveness of sins, so that if you turn away from your sins, the Bible word for that is repentance. If you repent of your sins and you submit your life to Jesus Christ, something spiritual happens and he gives you new life. He grants you new life. He draws you to himself. He convicts you of sin. And then he responds by giving you new life. It's an amazing gift of salvation. Salvation described here by Jesus as eternal life. So, so that when I give that invitation or you're in another church and they might say, okay, if that's you, and I'll do that in just a moment. If that's you, then why don't you stand to your feet? And so people stand up and we pray with them. Or why don't you raise your hand? So people raise their hand and we pray with them. Or come to the altar and, and come forward. And while we sing this song, if you believe you need to give your life to Jesus Christ, then come to the altar. And, and they come up and we pray with them. One of the reasons we give that invitation is because the Bible says, if, you, if a person confesses with their mouth the Lord Jesus and believes in their heart that God raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. And so that's one way of giving a public confession. It's not the only way, but it's one way. You can have a public confession in your front room. You can have a public confession in a variety of different ways. But understand this, when we here at Calvary give an opportunity for you to respond to the conviction of sin that God has done in your life, that invitation is not to follow me. I'm not asking you to follow me. I'm not saying you, now that you have turned your life, you you follow Ed. Not at all. It's an invitation to what? Relationship. You follow God. It's not an invitation to join this church or to go through some membership class, or fill out all this paperwork, and then maybe you'll have eternal life. I'm not asking you to to join this church. We don't even have membership here. I'm not asking you to follow me. I'm not asking you when I invite you to follow some movement. Okay, guys, give your life to Jesus Christ, and you can be a part of Calvary Chapel. I'm not asking you to follow a movement. I'm not asking you to follow, okay, now you'll become a Protestant, and you can learn Arminianism. I'm not inviting you to any of that. Jesus said this, This is eternal life, that you'll know the Father and Jesus Christ whom he sent. I'm not asking you through a bunch of religion, a lot of layers and rituals. And the reason I'm not asking you that is because I would be wrong if I did. Eternal life is you and the Father through Jesus Christ with the power of the Holy Spirit. That's it. That's why you pray. You pray to the Father. You don't come through me. You don't come through another man. You don't come through by being in the right church or the right theology. Or You come in a deep abiding relationship with Jesus Christ. And he defines that through his scriptures. And it's very important that you grasp that. Because you are going to be a part of a local congregation. And you certainly want to be a part of a local congregation that is teaching sound doctrine. For sure. 
Not dismissing any of that. But if you think you're following a movement, or you think you're following a man, or you think you've got to do it this way or that way, you're missing what Jesus is saying. It starts with knowing the Father. Isn't that what Jesus said in John 15? If you abide in me, I'm going to abide in you because I've got a vine dresser. I'm the vine. You're the branches. He said the same thing over and over different ways. It's a relationship with God that he offers to you through the blood of Jesus Christ. So that in verse 5 he says, And now, O Father, glorify me together with yourself, with the glory which I had before the world was. You see, Jesus is God in human flesh. He existed before the world did because he's eternal. He's the eternal one. He existed before the world did. He is the creator of the world. And he's returning to that glory. And he's asking for that. I think he's encouraged by it. It's probably the closest thing that we can come to verse 5 in our lives is expecting to be in the presence of the Lord and fulfilling the promise of eternal life in us. That we will finally shed these earthly bodies and we'll be given new bodies for eternity. That bodies that actually work and don't get hurt and don't decay. Can you imagine? It's going to be awesome. Aren't you a little happy about that? Anybody got aches and pains that you would wish you were, would leave behind? Anybody? Come on now. Seriously. Yeah, way back. I see. Way back in the back. That's a one hurting woman. We know. I know how you feel. And we're going to get new bodies, sister. Amen? Yes, we are. New bodies, eternity, no pain, no sorrow, no grief, reunited with the loved ones that died and gone before us in Christ. Jesus is saying, man, I'm going back to glory the way it was before I took on this earthly body. Man, it's going to be glorious. It's going to be wonderful. One final thing before we head out. This phrase, finish the work, captivates me. It it reminds me. It stirs me. And I want it to stir you in the very same way. And it's simply this. Jesus was able to say, I finished the work. And I want to be able to say at the end of my life, I finished the work that you gave me, Lord. I didn't. I didn't quit. I didn't quit. Now, I have to say in the spirit, I don't want to quit. In the flesh, sometimes I do. I've actually used that phrase. It wasn't too long ago I just told Marie, I'm done. I'm done. I'm done. It's over. I'm I'm just done. It's just enough. It's too much. All the stuff that was laid on me in that season, I'm just like, I'm just done. That was my flesh. (laughs) My flesh. I was done, man. I was done. But in the Lord, he helps me to finish my race. He helps me to get up for another day. He inspires another prayer to depend upon him. He reminds me like we did in the psalmist. Hey, man, get back to the sanctuary, Ed, because you'll be encouraged there. Start singing to me, Ed. I love you. I know you're done, but I'm not done with you. So I'm going to, though a man fall seven times, you know what the Bible says? He'll rise again. What about the eighth time? Get up again. What about the ninth time? Get up again. Not of your own strength, but the love of God. I don't know if you've ever felt like that way, that you're just done, but... If you do, if you have, I understand. To some degree, I understand. And the Lord says, keep going. It's always too soon to quit. You just keep going. Keep trusting. Finish the race. It's a long race. It's long. It's hard. Turn over to 2 Timothy. Let me show you. Because Paul, you know Paul. He's a hero of the faith. But he didn't start out a hero. You know, you could say Paul started out as a zero because he was anti Christianity. He was anti-Jesus. He was killing Christians. 
destroying families. In the name of God, he thought he was doing God's service. But at the end of his life, we have some final words from him. We have some final words. And he describes his life this way. So encouraging to me personally. And I pray that you and me, at the end of our lives, when we're taking our last breath, when we're writing our last words, when we're rushing, we're uh, we're right there ready to go into eternity, that we say the same thing. Notice, he says in verse 6, For I'm already poured out as a drink offering, and the time of my departure is at hand. That's just a fancy way of saying, I'm about to die. I'm close to death. I'm going to leave this earth. Notice how he describes it, verse 7. I have fought the good fight. It's going to require you and me, fighting the good fight. Following Jesus is not easy. It involves battle spiritually. The Bible also describes that as a spiritual warfare. Paul in another place, he describes our our lives as being like a good soldier and not getting caught up in all the things of the world and all the things that people are into and, and yet laying all that aside and fighting like a good soldier, arm in arm, back to back. The body of Christ. He says, I fought the good fight, but notice, I have finished the race, and I've kept the faith. Finished the race. It reminded me, finished the race. It reminded me last night of, of how so often the Bible describes uh, our relationship and our walk with Jesus as a race. And there's actually people in our church that like to run marathons. Do you know how big a marathon is? 26.2 miles. Seriously, you like that? Yeah, Scott, you know, Scott just qualified. He was here last night. Scott just qualified. He's going to be in the Boston Marathon this year. I'm like, seriously? You, it's 26.2 miles? But I'll tell you what, when Scott goes to the Boston Marathon, he knows at the starting line that 26.2 miles, there's a finish line. He doesn't see it yet, but he knows it. And he's determined He has trained. He has prepared. He has qualified. He has done everything that he can to put himself in tip-top physical condition because when he starts the Boston Marathon, you know what he expects? To finish it. He's not in it necessarily to win. I mean, for those those of us that might be more competitive, we try to win everything. Some things we just have to learn that it's not about winning, it's about finishing. And the Christian life is just like that. It's not about... It's not about winning, it's finishing. Even though you don't see this finish line yet, there is a finish line right up around the corner. I mean, a marathon is 26.2 miles, half a a 10K is 6 miles, 5K is 3 miles, a half marathon is 13.1. If you want to do the Ironman triathlon, bad stuff. 2.4 mile swim, followed by a 112 mile bike ride. I call that crazy And then you finish it with a 26.2-mile run. I mean, I guess the only thing crazier than that is what I do. And about uh, when I'm on a good clip, I do about four or five miles a day on the treadmill. Now, that's crazy because you do five miles and you never get anywhere. (laughs) That doesn't make any sense. But I respect those that train this way. I respect because when they get in, they're going to finish. Now, Scott, when he gets in, he may have a time he wants to beat. You know, he wants to get better. He wants to get better. He, he's given himself his best. But when he starts on the st- starting line with all those thousands of people, he knows in 26.2 miles there's a finish line, and I'm finishing. But he also knows somewhere along that race he's going to hit something known as the wall. <laughs> and the wall is his body saying to him, you're crazy. 
Why are we doing this? It's the same thing that happens when you pray and fast. You're so good. And then you hit this place and your body says, why aren't you feeding me? I'm hungry. And in the marathon, he's going to hit the wall and it's going to be quit. Give up. You've gone far enough. You've done enough. It's okay. I mean, nobody, you know, that pastor guy, he doesn't even want to do a 5K. But here you are. You did 14 miles. That's good enough. And he's going to have to overcome with all his training, all his commitment, all his preparation. He's going to have to say, no, I'm not here for my pastor. I'm here for my God. And I'm finishing. And he gets through the wall and he finishes. And life is like that following Jesus. It is a marathon. But there is a finish line. Some of us are more closer to the finish line than others. But there's a finish line. And it's right around the corner. And I want you to be able to say, as well as I want to be able to say, I finished. I finished the work that God has given me to do. This week, another friend of mine fallen to, I hate to even say the word fallen, but adultery was found in his life. And I've been on the phone these last couple weeks. I was just thinking about it. I've probably been on the phone these last couple weeks more than the entire year with this situation, so sad, so hard, so difficult, so crushing to the family. It's just, just unbelievable, just, just crushing. And it reminded me, Marie and I were talking about it. It's like, man, I, I don't, I do not want to go that way. I do not want to commit adultery. I don't. I was thinking about, I was telling Marie, I was like, hey, I, I can't foresee, I can't even I can't even imagine bringing more pain to my wife than the pain she's already experienced at such a young age. I can't even imagine it. I I can't even fathom that. And then we were here on Friday for the play with our kids in our academy. It's amazing. It was awesome. And at the end, they did the finale, and there were more kids, you know, kids all up here. There was all in the front of the stage, all up there, and they're singing, and they're worshiping, and thinking, oh, man, I, I... I can't imagine hurting those kids. Their families. Bringing such a, such a disastrous, blasphemous opportunity for people to hate God because of my failure. I want to finish. I think of my wife, I want to finish. I think of my kids, I want to finish. I think of my grandkids, I want to finish. I don't want to bring any pain to, to you as a congregation or to the name of Jesus Christ in our city. But listen, I'm not stupid. I'm capable of any stupid sin. I have to stay close to the Lord. I need to love him more than anything. I need to train well. I need to remember there's a finish line. I need to remember people are watching my life, whether I like it or not. I need to remember the calling of God in my life. I need to remember when I hit the wall and I want to quit and I'm done, that the spirit of God lives in me and he's going to strengthen me to finish my race. I want to be able to say at the end of my life, I fought the good fight. And so some of you are like, well, you know, pastor, my life doesn't impact people like you. So it's really no big deal. But let me tell you something. Your life is a big deal. You impact people. You connect with people. You connect with people you don't even know yet. They watch your life. You know, you keep giving those cards at work. You've been doing it for 10 years, inviting people to Christmas services. And what do they do? Oh, you dumb Christian. I can't stand that. You believe in nonsense. But every year you give it to them, right? And you think, oh, they don't care. But they watch your life when they're going through a marriage problems. You know that, right? <laughs> they're real big and, well, I don't care about God. But when things get tough, they're looking for the Christian at work to say, man, if he can make it, I think I can make it. And then maybe one day they'll come up to you and say, I really appreciate all these invites. I think I'm going to go this year. Really? And you're, you've been praying for it, and then God's answer shocks you. 
You have neighbors that watch your life. You have family, nieces, nephews. I mean, your life is, is huge, you know, because sometimes people will call and go, Pastor Ed, Pastor Ed, if you will just talk, if you will just talk to my friend, they will definitely listen to you. <laughs> That's funny. That's funny because as soon as they find out that I'm a preacher, I'm done. Oh, you brought the preacher. And then they ask me some obscure question. How many angels fit on the top of a pen? You know, just, just like, what? And they just dismiss me because I have no idea how many of they, you know, well, you're dumb, you don't know anything, you know. They, they won't listen to me, but they'll listen to you because you've got years of credibility in their lives. You've got years of loving them. You've got years of helping them. You've got years of praying for them. Even when they go, don't pray for me, no, I'm going to pray for you anyway. And you know what would happen if you quit? You know what would happen? Man, the name of God would be dragged through the mud. You'll lose your witness. Pastor Ed Taylor on Abounding Grace, encouraging us to finish our race by God's abounding grace. We're traveling through John's Gospel right now, and if at any time along the way you'd like to hear a study again, drop by AboundingGraceRadio.com or listen through the Calvary Church app. Pastor Ed, today you liken life to a marathon, and the finish line is right around the corner. Would you speak to that person who's listening right now and feels like giving up or that they can't make it another day? Well, you know, Larry, this is very true, and so many listening in right now have this exact feeling. So I want to speak to you guys just for a second of how important it is that you take the next step. I learned that from Elizabeth Elliot, that you take the next step, that you live day by day in the power and the grace of Jesus Christ abiding in him. You can make it. You've made it this far. And I know it's overwhelming, and I know it's pain upon pain and challenge upon challenge. In this world, as Jesus told us, are filled with tribulations, trials. But Jesus said, be of good cheer because I've overcome the world. And I want to encourage you, just get back to basics. And don't expect any major change like right away as you get back to these basics. But I've been encouraging so many And I want to encourage you to be that Acts 2.42 Christian that they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and in fellowship and in the breaking of bread and in prayers. And so run to the Word of God and run to prayer and run to church where you'll find meaningful fellowship with other believers and run to the communion table so that you can remember God's great grace. Look, you can go through all of the actions that a relationship requires and allows with the Lord and still feel bad. And so be careful that you're like, well, I did all that and I still feel bad. That's not unusual. It's not unusual to be beat down and hurt, but it's also not unusual to walk forward in the grace of God. And I know that he is faithful when you look to him. And you'll make it through. As a matter of fact, as I'm saying that, you'll make it through. We put a little book together that I entitled, You Will Make It Through, specifically for people just like you. So I'd encourage you to pick it up. You will make it through. You can get it anywhere where books are sold, or you can get it on our website, calvaryco.store. Thanks for that encouragement. I'm sure someone needed to hear that. Our pick of the month is Five-Minute Apologetics for Today by Ron Rhodes. 
As Christians, we sometimes encounter objections about the Bible, and maybe you're left wondering how to answer them, or where do you look? Well, this wonderful book offers you 365 quick answers to key questions. I think you'll find it super helpful the next time you come across a question where you're not sure how to answer, and we'll gladly send you a copy when you support Abounding Grace today with a gift of $25 or more. Just pick up the phone right now and call 877-30-GRACE. Again, that's 877-30-GRACE. And we want this radio ministry to be the sort of ministry that God uses. That's our prayer and our heart's desire. And if you'd like to get behind what we're doing and offer a one-time gift or ongoing support, we'd sure appreciate it. This would be a wonderful time to hear from you. You can donate to the ministry at AboundingGraceRadio.com or, again, call 877-30-GRACE. Ed Taylor is the pastor at Calvary Church in Aurora, Colorado. He also enjoys meeting his radio listeners. So drop by, say hi after a service. We meet together Saturdays at 6 p.m. and Sundays at 8.45 and 10.45 in the morning. There's a midweek service, too, Wednesdays at 7 p.m. We can tell you more about us at calvaryco.church. Join us each day on Abounding Grace as we go and grow through a study in John with Pastor Ed Taylor. This is amazing grace. This is unfailing love. That you would take my place. That you would bear my cross. You lay down your life. That I would be set Abounding Grace is brought to you by Calvary Church, Colorado, here in Aurora. 